ball underneath. The cut. Oh, a grown man's move for Zion Williamson. What's up, guys? Welcome to Bird Watch. I'm Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com and The Advocate. Here today, after the NBA trade deadline came and went, a little bit of activity. Um, I think the biggest news was probably that Lonzo Ball is going to be a Pelican for at least the next 30 games or so. He was not traded at the deadline after basically months of of everyone in the league, you know, pretty much understanding that he was available for the right price. Um, Jeff, what did you make of uh, the minor, minor moves the Pelicans made and, and the one big one it did not make? Trades. It's the <laughs> trade deadline. It's so exciting until it's not because it's never exciting. Uh, <laughs> I get so hyped up for it and then I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's right. No one ever makes any trades. Um, there actually were trades this year and it was still boring, but I digress. Yeah, I mean, I've been when you you see trades develop over time and over the past few days when you didn't really get any indications that there was, you know, a deal close or so-and-so was, you know, pressing for assets. All you got was, oh, the Bulls might be interested from Woj because he felt like he needed to say something. Uh, I think that's when I started to feel like, you know, there's probably nothing going to develop here. So I wasn't actually that surprised today. We talked earlier. I, I told you, I, I kind of feel like he's not going to move because these things don't just pop out of thin air. Um, you know, one side tries to get a little more, so they leverage it with a, with a, with a source somewhere and, and then the other side gets it back. And But that's not what happened here. Um, we are kind of sitting with the status quo on the Alonzo Ball side of things. Um, and now it's just a question of, what do you do uh, in the offseason? Um, I don't think that this team is going to be significantly impacted by, you know, no decision being made. But, you know, as you get down the road and you get to the offseason and suddenly you have to match an offer sheet and you have to make a decision, do we let Lonzo Ball walk for nothing? Um, and that's not a situation you want to be in. Um, so that's kind of where things are now. Does he play to the level um, that gets him that offer. And I, for Alonzo Ball, I think, as you mentioned before we came on, like, you know, it's got to be, it's always awkward when you are the subject of these crazy trade deadline rumors and then nothing happens and you kind of have to walk back into the room and be like, hey guys, uh, <laughs> happy to see you. But also, he's suddenly playing for a contract, like, in he, which he was not before. I mean, it was a kind of a contract year, but. Now he knows that, okay, I have 30-some-odd games to get the best offer possible in restricted free agency and see what happens. So, you know, if he does that, then this is a completely different situation. Yeah, I thought one of the most interesting things that happened today was Chicago going out and getting Nikola Vucevic a couple hours before the deadline. Um, They threw in two firsts to get that deal. I believe it was a 2021 and a 2023 you know, that meant as soon as I saw that, you know, I, I started thinking about the fact that, well, that means they don't have a first at least until right. 2025 because of the step in rule to include in a trade. So, you know, any first back from Chicago would have been until 2025. It's also it's also hard to imagine the Bulls trading three first round picks on one day unless they're getting like an A plus superstar, which, you know, neither of the guys that they were interested in were. Um, so I think, you know, Chicago 
you know, deciding to go out and get Vucevic, that kind of complicated things and, and threw a wrench into any potential deal there. Um, I think, you know, their interest in Lonzo was, was real. Um, I mean, it was something that, that Woj talked about, like even yesterday, like they were the one team to watch. Um, I had heard that the Nuggets, you know, had expressed some interest. I think the New York Knicks um, were interested a little bit, but the Pelicans apparently, you know, didn't, didn't get the deal they wanted and, and thought that, you know, our better option is either to just pay this guy this summer or, you know, maybe try to do a sign and trade. Um, and I think what you hit on, man, this is, this is going to be such a critical summer. I mean, to me, it just felt like what happened today just kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I guess Lonzo Ball could be back, but like everyone just kind of knows that, that, you know, the front office now, you know, they, they don't really want to like back up the Brinks truck for him. Um, so I'm, I'm just really interested to see how it goes this summer. Um, because it, it just feels like, you know, we're in kind of like wait and hold mode now. Yeah. And it was weird to see the bulls become like the big buyers, you know, this team that's kind of on the fringe of the playoffs is <laughs> swinging these deals. Uh, and life, the life must be good in the Eastern side. conference. Life must right. be good in the Eastern conference. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're right in the same boat as the Pelicans record-wise, but they're they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, so it's a different situation, and they have a superstar in Zach Levine. Uh, so you think you can more confidently swing that deal. The Magic, on the other hand, completely complete fire sale. Uh, Evan Fournier, how do you say his name? Fournier? Fournier? That's Fournier, yeah. Fournier, yeah. Don't Google his last name. As he tweeted today to Google his last name, don't do it. And I'm not joking. Did you? Yeah, because I okay. make bad decisions. But he literally <laughs> trolled Celtics fans and said, hey, guys, if you want to learn more about me, Google my last name. And it's like, you know, some really kind of gross disease, uh, <laughs> which I didn't know about. I learned something new today. But uh, I don't know if he's going to endear himself to Celtics fans <laughs> that way. But anyway, uh, it's, it was a wild day for the Magic, who suddenly have all of these assets. Uh, like halfway through the day, like you mentioned, the Bulls gave with those picks, and I kind of half expected – you know, the Pelicans' attention to just kind of like shift over uh, the other direction and say, oh, hey, Orlando, you're looking mighty fine today. Uh, but that's not what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of this season now is kind of, for Lonzo Ball specifically, it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and I'm kind of lost track of what we were talking about. But um, the Pelicans are in a precarious situation now in regard to Lonzo Ball. And, uh, I think they would have probably benefited from getting out of that precarious situation before having to wait and see how it turns out. Yeah, so let's let's get into why exactly it is a precarious situation for the Pelicans. I mean, look, if Alonzo, let's just say, you know, he keeps it up, continues to shoot the ball pretty well, gives you some playmaking, plays, you know, adequate defense, you know, that those type of players at 23 years old, they typically make a lot of money. Uh, I mean, I could see, you know, I could see Alonzo you know, getting some offers of $20 million per year, um, you know, maybe even in excess of that. Um, you know, I think that's a little rich for the Pelicans blood, but like, let's say, let's say the Knicks who are going to have cap space, who are known to be interested in Lonzo, they give Lonzo an offer sheet this summer of $85 million over four years and Lonzo signs it. Well, that would mean the Pelicans have 
two days basically to figure out, are we going to match this or what? And if they match it, then he's back and on the books and, you know, he's a part of your core or you just lose him for nothing. Um, and, and during those two days, you know, it kind of t- ties up your cap space too. I mean, it kind of, in some ways, restricts your ability to, to like, you know, go out and and try to get replacements in that time. So those are the ways that it complicates things for you. And it's, it's just crazy that we're like in year two of Zion going to be in three net year three next year. And we're already in the situation where it's like, we're worried about the flexibility, um, you know, of, of the pieces around him. I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot, man. Eric Bledsoe is due $18 million next year. You're not getting off that contract unless you include some sort of sweetener. I mean, with the way things are going they're they're in a tough spot. Like they're going to have to do some serious wheeling and dealing this summer. I mean, there's a, it's a critical summer, and I think there's a very high degree of difficulty. Yeah, and and like as you're mentioning, you're now at the mercy of other teams too, and you never want to be in that situation where a team that you might be bargaining with for on a trade is all of a sudden like, hey, we could sign Lonzo to an offer sheet that you don't want us to. Anyway, that's a, I don't I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but it's just a situation you don't want to get into if you don't have to. Um, it's also for for David Griffin, you're also getting into this situation where some of the decisions that you made are starting, you know, the receipts are coming back and you're saying, okay, you bought this at this price and uh, you lost this. And, uh, and and it starts to weigh against like, you know, general managers don't get that long in today's NBA to create a winner. I think you have a little less pressure in a market like New Orleans where there is less pressure to win right away. But, you know, you're now into year three or, you know, by the time, by next season, you'll be into year three and you're going to have to reckon with, you know, the trades you made, the draft picks you, you made and whether those were good decisions or bad decisions. I think Jackson Hayes kind of showing that he might he might have a little bit to, more to offer than he has early in his career is very good for uh, Griffin in that respect. But, you know, once you start getting the situation where, oh, Lonzo Ball walks for nothing, uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe <laughs> is a is a, an anchor and not in a good way, you know, not in the. Uh, keeps you steady way kind of the drags you to the bottom of the ocean way and and those are those are th- those start to pile up and and then and then you get into uh awkward situations so you know that's that's where the pelicans are at now um winning will solve a lot of issues you know winning will cure a lot of those ills and playing and the young guys playing well will also uh do that as well so i think the next 25 30 games are going to say a lot Thank you for clarifying your definition of anchor there. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sure which one you were talking about. Uh, just kidding. I knew which one you were talking about. Um, I, would, I would be shocked if the Pelicans let Lonzo walk for nothing. I mean, I think, I think they're either doing a sign and trade or, or matching, even if it is a really big offer, and you know, playing that out with him alongside Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson or you know, playing it out for a little bit and then maybe exploring a trade further down the road. Um, it's just interesting. I mean, there's still just a lot of bodies in the backcourt, even though JJ's not in the picture anymore. I mean, <laughs> just look at look at the last two drafts. I mean, this front office took Nikhil Alexander-Walker 17th overall. You know, he's finally starting to get some consistent minutes. Um, you know, he's the guy who started in Lonzo's place. I think he probably would have been the guy who stepped into the starting lineup if they had moved on from Lonzo. Um, Kyra Lewis Jr., I think there's been some impressive flashes. 
you know, he has gotten some minutes the past two games with, with Lonzo out with the hip flexor. But once Lonzo's back, you know, it's it's going to be tough to find minutes for him. Um, you know, it, it seems like they are just not at the point where they want to just, you know, sit Eric Bledsoe down. Um, I, I don't think that's going to change even even after the trade deadline. I mean, I think they're just going to try to ride it out and, and hope he turns it around a little bit. But there's still... A lot of bodies in the backcourt. I mean, you've devoted a lot of resources in the draft to guard in the past two drafts, and you just got you got a lot of dudes and, uh, you know, probably not enough wing depth behind Zion and Brandon. Yeah, and, you know, just to button off that point I was making earlier, one thing, you know, I, one of the only scenarios where I can see them letting Lonzo walk is if they <laughs> need to keep that money open because they're going to sign a star. And I guess if, if, you're, if that's the reason you let him walk, then uh, – I think that's a different situation, you know, like I think people would be more accepting of that, but um, yeah, in, in regard to Eric Bledsoe, I honestly think the low point for him <laughs> was Reggie Miller on national television, like just was out there saying he doesn't look like he cares. And, and for a former player to criticize an active player on national television like that, succinctly like not walking around it not beating around the bush just being like he doesn't look like he cares that's not good no no player wants that um and and that's not as common as it might feel like it is you know (laughs) former players on broadcast they are almost relentlessly positive they might question decisions they don't question like effort like that uh unless it's it's apparent so you know, maybe, you know, my glass half full thing, my glass half full way to look at Eric Bledsoe is he knows where he's going to be the rest of the season. Um, it might be difficult to commit fully emotionally and mentally when you think, okay, they're going to trade me, whatever. Uh, he's here. He knows he's going to be here. So maybe that helps him kind of lock in uh, a little better than he has uh, in the past. Because at this point, he's kind of in the same situation as Lonzo Ball where, you know, <laughs> if he doesn't want to be here, <laughs> his best way out is to play well enough to be traded. Uh, in the off season, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, I would like to see him get taken out of the starting rotation. I think if I had to make a make one request, that would be it. He doesn't. You don't have to cut his minutes way down. Just change up how he is being introduced into games. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a demotion so much as it's like clearly something's not working here. So let's try to reestablish how we do this. Um, and I think if you put Josh Hart in the starting rotation, you kind of filter in blood cell where it makes sense and get him in the right matchups. Maybe that helps him get going. Um, but something they're going to have to figure something out there because he makes too much money to not play. And, he, and he's too good of a basketball player to be playing as bad as he is. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's a move to be made, it is what you just said. Um, just start Josh Hart. I mean, you you at least know that's, a guy who's going to give you great energy and effort when he's in there. I mean, you know, he, he definitely fits next to Lonzo. That's kind of one of the nice things about Lonzo is that pretty much everyone fits next to him. And then if you're, you know, two guards behind them or Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Eric Bledsoe, I mean, I think those guys could play together. I mean, there's not like, there's not so much redundancy where you, where you think they couldn't play together. If, if Eric Bledsoe can like figure it out even a little bit. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know. I don't want to say unfortunate, but I, I can't believe we have like 30 more games of this. I hope it, I hope it just starts to feel different because man, I can, it's just, this season I think has just, you know, 
dragged on on the Pelicans players. I think it's dragged on Stan Van Gundy. Um, I hope with you know even though there are mostly the same pieces, it just starts to feel a little bit different. Yeah, I, I will say that um, they one one of the biggest issues for the Pelicans has been. They can't beat the bad teams. The games they go into that they should walk away with, they seem to struggle in. Timberwolves, uh, Thunder, Hornets, Pistons, those type of games, they have lost them. Uh, LSU, LSU, same colors. Lakers showed up in town. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis. And the Pelicans put the screws to him the way that a playoff caliber team should against a team that does not have its star players. Like That wasn't the case when they went to Minnesota and they played the Timberwolves uh, and a few other games in those same contexts. So that was cool, good to see. You know, that's a positive development because uh, I think they won that game by 20 plus. You know, it wasn't close. It was never in doubt in the second half. Um, the only thing that was in question was whether Marv Albert was going to remember which order Nikhil Alexander Walker goes in. He struggled with that quite a bit. It was Walker Alexander for a while. Um, Walker but, Alexander, Texas Ranger. <laughs> it's better than uh, Mark Jackson, who I'm pretty sure thinks his full name is Alexander Walker. No hyphen. That's like first and last name. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that when you look at this season from kind of a 30,000 foot view and you kind of erase how they got to the record they have, um, and you just look at kind of the wins and losses, um, and the, just where they are, is this that much worse than, than like the upper expectation for a young team, uh, that has new pieces, that has a new head coach, that has a new defensive philosophy, that is trying to figure out who it's, you know, whether it's star player is a legit star player, you know, that's trying to incorporate him with another all-star. Um, just traded away two of the franchise cornerstones each of the last two years. They're 19 and 25. You know, they're not, they're still in the playoff race. And you're going to go into the end of the season where there's going to be a lot of teams tanking. You're going to run into a lot more easy matchups than you have. Uh, and I think you're going to see this team continue to get better. I think that... I. I I want to pump the brakes on being completely down about this team. Uh, despite the just, I had a stomach ache after the Portland Bla- the Blazers game, the loss when they were up by 17 points. I literally had a stomach ache because it was like, this shouldn't happen. Um, but when you kind of take that emotion out of it, I don't think this has been bad, as bad as it feels. Um, and I, I think going down the stretch, they're going to show a lot more. Uh, especially with when you erase the uncertainty of, okay, well, will he get traded? Will he be here next year? You're just playing, and that's only a good thing. Um, but we can get into the actual trade that happened on this trade deadline podcast pretty soon, I think. Back here on Birdwatch, um, we're going to get into the trade that did happen, but I wanted to give you a little top shot update first, Jeff. Um, I finally was able to get my hands, my digital hands on a pack. Uh, I got in line for the Cool Cats pack drop and got it on that. And I got some pretty good moments. I got James Harden doing a Euro step in those like tie-dye jerseys the Nets have. I got <laughs> Zion Williamson dunking against the Indiana Pacers. I got a... Tamanta Sabonis, Cool Cats moment. All nice. in all, it was a uh, it was a pretty solid day. And I can't tell you how giddy I was feeling when I was um, unwrapping that pack. It was the stupidest thing in the world. Like I was sitting <laughs> in my my uh, living room downstairs, like screaming, like Yeah, 
I got a Zion Williamson moment. And my, my wife was upstairs like, what, like, what are you talking about? And she was kind of roasting me afterwards. She's like, Oh, look at my husband, the proud owner of a Zion Williamson gif. <laughs> Pretty much. It's not a gif. It's an NFT. Um, but you know, it, the, the funniest thing about Top Shot to me is the, the drops and you're just sitting there kind of waiting. And then like, the number pops up and you quickly try to figure out how many digits are in that number. <laughs> like, oh wait, is that 30,000 or 100 or 300,000? Uh, and then you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna get one. And you, there's like that pang of excitement, which is literally just you getting excited to pay money. Um, it's a pretty good business, I think. I think it's, they, they have a good racket going. They, they have a good racket going. All right, I, I'm going to leave it at that because I, I feel like nobody needs 20 minutes of Top Shot updates. Let's get, in, let's get into the trade. Everyone needs 20 minutes of Top Shot updates, but continue. <laughs> uh, let's get into the, uh, the marketplace, the real NBA marketplace. Um, so J.J. Redick, Nicole O'Malley were sent to the Dallas Mavericks uh, for James Johnson, Wes Wundu, and a 2021 second-round pick. That means the Pelicans have four second-rounders in the upcoming draft. Um, I was I was frankly a little bit surprised that the Pelicans were able, even able to get something for J.J. I was just kind of assuming that, I mean, he was going to be a buyout guy. That was you know, what all the tea leaves were saying in the days leading up to, to deadline day. Um, so I think that's, you know, a minor one in itself that they were able to get a little bit back for that. I think Nicola Melli, I mean, he just looked broken here. I mean, I, I, I was honestly was like feeling bad for the guys the season went on. I mean, it just looked like a guy whose confidence was completely shattered. So I don't know, hopefully he can show a little something in a Dallas Mavericks uniform. I mean, Luka Doncic, I'm sure we'll get them a lot of open threes. Uh, I don't know if they'll make them, um, but I thought it was a positive <laughs> to like get something, you know, for, for, for those two guys. Wait, so you're assuming that this was a JJ Redick trade and they added Nick N- Melly in to uh, figure out the, the money. Cause I was thinking it was the other way. I think the Mavs were like, we already have a Luca and a Chris Depps. We need Nicolo. We need this Euro vibe. Uh, and that's what they came <laughs> after. And they were like, yeah, fine. We'll take Redick. Send him our way. Uh, I don't think no. they were coveting the guy who's shooting one for 70 from three this year, but what do no I Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Buy low. Yeah. I know. I, I, yeah. I, I actually am happy for Melly because I think it's probably a better situation for him. Um, you know, whether he has what it takes to, to make it at the NBA level, I think that he has a much better chance to uh, succeed in that system, in that kind of Luca point forward uh, scenario where he can space and he's going to get a lot of open shots created for him and he just has to hit them. Um, so good luck. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, but yeah, and it was strange because there didn't seem to be a ton of incentive for a team to say, yeah, we'll pay JJ Reddick $13 million for the rest of the season and then let him walk out the door. So either the Mavs felt that, you know, they were going to have a lot of competition to sign JJ Reddick. Um, I said either, but I think that's probably the reason is, you know, they were reading the tea leaves and seeing, you know, this is going to be a difficult signing for us to get done and we want him, so we t- will trade for him. And uh, the guys that gave up, James Johnson, Wes Wundu, and the, you know, second round pick, not, you know, ground movers, you know, not, not going to not gonna send a shockwaves reverberating around the NBA. Um, 
but I I think I don't know anything about Wes Wundu, but James Johnson is literally a UFC fighter. Uh, so for a team that needed some teeth on defense, <laughs> I think if they do keep him, they don't buy him out. Uh, there are there are worse ways you can go than a guy who <laughs> literally beats people up in his spare time. You know what the nickname is, right? For James Johnson? Yeah. No. It's blood sport. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need the uh, the background story on how that nickname Kumate. came to be. Yeah, does he does he just love that movie? Um, you've you've got to imagine, right? Um, I believe he's into. I mean, he's into mixed martial arts, right? Too. I think I, th- I think when the, there's a story, um, I think when he was out of the NBA, he just started doing UFC fighting, and then he got back into the or, you know, before his NBA career kind of got going. Um, but yeah, MMA, and uh, that's that's all I can think about every time I see him. There was a play. <laughs> there was a play that I read a random play I watched in a Mavs Sixers game where earlier this season where he just threw the ball off the back of uh, Maxi Tyrese Maxi. Uh, he just <laughs> threw it off the back of his head, and like anyone else, I'd be like, he did. I did that by accident. He's not that type of guy because uh, he was going out of bounds and he was trying to save the possession. But I was like, James Johnson, yeah, he probably threw it off his head intentionally. <laughs> yeah, um, I would have loved the James Johnson of like three years ago on this roster. Um, I'm curious. I, like, I can't say that I've, I've closely watched James Johnson this year. I mean, just looking at the basketball reference page, talking to some folks in Dallas, you know, he's 34. He's kind of been in and out of the rotation for Dallas this year. He's had some stints. Um, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, they need definitely need more defense on the wings. I mean, potentially, you know, you could go with like Brandon Ingram, James Johnson, and and Zion Williamson three, four, five to to try and close some games. Like they just they haven't had the wing defenders to put next to to Zion and Brandon Ingram to successfully play a lot of small ball. I think is where some of New Orleans' issues have been. So maybe maybe they can go to that a little bit. But I'm not holding my breath. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, expecting James Johnson to to give them a whole lot. You know, if he's, if he's still able to uh, touch 95 miles an hour on the fastball here and there, that's a win. And if not, then, you know, whatever, we still got the second round pick. Yeah. And then the, the big number that kind of stands out from him this year, um, you know, he's a career 30% three point shooter, obviously not great, but he picked that up (laughs) throughout his career and he was shooting in the mid thirties, 25% uh, this point in the season, not optimal um, from, you know, a wing, but I mean, just as a, for a guy who, as a return for a guy that you were going to buy out anyway, um, and a guy who's not really in the rotation, it's something. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the Pelicans 2021 trade deadline, uh, colon, it's something. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Could have been worse. It's just, it's just, this is just a hard day to talk about because like, it, it feels like the Pelicans just, you know, kind of kick the can down the road, so to speak. It just feels like, you know, all of, a lot of their problems, like they're just going to have to deal with them this summer instead of dealing with some of them now. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing for them. I mean, you know, if there was, if there's only a, a bad deal on the table, like, you know, if Chicago wasn't giving you any, any first round picks, then I don't blame them for not doing that deal. But all that is to say, they're going to have a lot. They're going to have a lot to do, um, you know, with this roster in terms of upgrading it, retooling around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, 
this summer. Um, can we can we talk about what the Denver Nuggets did? Um, I thought I thought they won the day. I I love yes, Christian. Them we being can able talk to get about Aaron the Denver Gordon. Nuggets. I I mean I just thought they won the day. I thought that was a great move. I mean I think you know when you look at like what happened to them last summer, losing Jeremy Grant. I think Aaron Gordon is arguably a better player than Jeremy Grant. Um, he's owed a lot less money next year, and I think he fits with that roster better. Like I think that's a move that. I'm not sitting here saying the Denver Nuggets are title favorites, but I think that's a move that like could shift the title race a little bit. I mean, it, it did shift the odds already if you just look at the before and after. Yes, Christian, your precious Denver Nuggets made a nice move. Does that does that make you happy? Uh, Sounds like I, it does. I thought no, you would no, be excited. Just, I thought you would be kidding. excited. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, it, it was a good move by then. It's, it's just weird. Aaron Gordon is such a difficult guy to read. You know, this is a guy who... I want to say it was two seasons ago. Uh, he had a great game in the opening. He was like, "Yeah, I just figured out that if I if I box people out, I get a lot of rebounds." And, it, and like, he was dead serious. I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. I'm pretty sure he was serious. Like, I don't think he just learned how to box people out, but it was like the strangest thing. And like, that's such a you know, <laughs> that's such a good distillation of Aaron Gordon. It's like, why isn't he better than he is? He he has all of these skills, but he's not you know a consistent consistent you know 2010 guy, but. Uh, no, I mean, for what they traded to get him, I think, is the big the big uh, <laughs> thing that separates that move from a lot of the other ones. I mean, Gary Harris, good player, not great player. R.J. Hampton, the Pelicans drafted him <laughs> technically this year uh, and a first-round pick um, for a yeah, – I don't know if he's made an all-star game, but he will at some point. Um, he won a dunk contest. That's probably what I'm confusing it with. But, yeah, I mean – for a team that well, he might not now that he's in the West, but that is, <laughs> a good that player. Is true. That is true. But yeah, I mean, for a team that needs kind of that wing athleticism that they lost in Jeremy Grant, it's a it's a great pickup. You know, there, there were a lot of really solid trades today um, that I think went under the radar. I think Norman Powell was a great get by Portland. Um, I like Gary Clark, but I think Norman Powell is a clear upgrade there. George Hill, another another Pelican uh, for seven seconds. <laughs> went to Philly. Yeah. Uh, the Raptors asked good. for objectively too much for Kyle Lowry, and he's still in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting, man. Them them just kind of standing pat with Lowry. Um, I would have I would have loved to see him on the Heat. Um, I would have not liked to see him at all on the Lakers, but that would have been a great pickup for them. Him, if the reports are true that kind of the sticking point was Talon Talon Horton Tucker. Um, then that's shocking, and that makes, makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit and think that the Lakers definitely should have done that deal. Um, you know, I mean, you only you're, I know LeBron. It seems like he's going to be good for like the next ten years, but like you just you only get so many cracks at it with with a guy that age, no matter right. you know how invincible he might seem. Um, but I no, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting day, even if it wasn't that interesting from a Pelicans perspective. What do you think about Vic? Uh, Michael Vic, how's he doing? <laughs> I think he's broadcasting now. No, uh, Mr. Oladipo. Not a, you know, it's not a bad get. But, you know, I think Kyle Lowry expected to be traded. Uh, if you saw the clip of him walking off the court uh, the other night, he literally like made peace signs. Like he thought he was out of Toronto. Uh, so yeah. that's you know, you talk about Lonzo Ball. Like that's going to be a weird one too. Um, but the Heat ended up landing with Victor Oladipo, who's been traded for the second time in about a month and a half. Um, I think that's a, that's a good ad for them. 
but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of interesting trades. You know, as I make fun of the trade deadline earlier, I think this is one of the more interesting ones. You know, last year he had Drew Holiday and he didn't get traded. It was the same situation for the Pelicans. But I think around the league there wasn't much action. Um, but this year it's only the Pelicans. Yeah, <laughs> that the got, that got left out to dry. <laughs> I've heard I've heard Oladipo rumors uh, to Miami for years. I mean, that's that's kind of an interesting one. I mean, it, it seemed like he was like dead set on getting to Miami, whether it was you know, uh, going to a different team and then I'm, I'm signing with them in restrict unrestricted free agency this summer. It seemed like he really, really, really wanted to be in Miami. I don't like, is all Eric, is Victor Oladipo good anymore? I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that player we saw that first season in Indiana ever coming back? Who knows? But I do know he won't be uh, paying any income tax. And I think that's <laughs> um, well, the They didn't have that in Houston that... either, but. <laughs> they don't? Is that right? I didn't know no. that. No. Oh, well, now I know. I live in New Orleans in Louisiana where we have, you know, all of these taxes and on both sides of me, basically, uh, if you ignore Alabama and Mississippi, there's no tax. Anyway, uh, going back to the one last trade that I appreciated, um, the L.A. Clippers picked up assistant coach Rondo for Lemon Pepper Lou. Quite an interesting trade. Um, I really think that the Clippers are literally just trading for their future head coach. Sent out two firsts or two seconds. I'm sorry, two, not two firsts. Wow, uh, two seconds to get the Rondo deal done. That was uh, that was pretty shocking, man. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy that they got positive value for Rondo at this stage of his career. I mean, I I guess you're really banking on like playoff Rondo to to come back. And I think too, from a Clippers perspective, what I would imagine is like he gives them some element of leadership because it doesn't uh it doesn't seem like Kawhi Leonard is like that guy in the huddle who's saying like here's what we need to do right now guys and neither is Paul George so maybe you know part of that i guess calculus of like you know we're going to give up a little bit here was you know maybe this guy can can give us a boost just like in the locker room and from a leadership standpoint hey he won a title in the same building well not really the same building with the team that plays in the same building last year so uh, and it, I mean, like Ty Lue is only six years old or eight years older than Rondo. <laughs> like Rondo's 35. Rondo's like, he's going to be a coach. I, I will bet any sum of money that Rajon Rondo is going to be a coach in the NBA within the next decade. Uh, and I think he's just a guy you add because you want that brain on your team. It isn't even necessarily about, uh, what he can do on the basketball court anymore. You just want that mind in that locker room, you know, churning, uh, with the rest of them. Uh, but I think there's no way the Hawks keep Lou Williams. Um, like he's got to get bought out. Right. Like, so he's got to go somewhere. I think whoever signs him will end up getting a very valuable asset. Whoever signs Aldridge, another buyout guy. Um, there, I think there was a report that he was leaning toward Miami, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Marcus Aldridge game in today's NBA unless he starts taking threes, but, um, you know, that's a big ad for anybody. So there's a few names still out there that are going to be interesting to watch. It must be nice to be a, a big market team. I mean, all these, all these, you know, good players who are, are a little long in the tooth, they get bought out and it, it seems like it's always New York, Miami, or LA. I mean, just, well, just now it's one Brooklyn. of the, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Technically that's New York. I, Probably yeah. should have thought for another millisecond before I forgot that Brooklyn's in New York. Anyway, 
I saw when uh, when I think Bobby Marks tweeted like the updated pick situation for Oklahoma City, 17 first and 17 seconds <laughs> over the next seven years. My my good friend in Denver, Adam Morris, said the NBA is so broken and it is kind of broken, man. I mean, it's just it's just so much harder to win in in a small market than a big market. I think even more than ever before. It's it's the game is uh is very very tilted and you've got to be really really good if you're in a small market. Yeah, in a couple of years the draft is literally just going to be like the Thunder, the Pelicans and the Magic meeting at a bar. Uh <laughs> cuz it feels like they have at least like 20% of all the picks over the next 5 years. Yeah, 11 first round picks officially for the Pelicans in the next 7 drafts. Um I think this summer we see them cash some of that in. I mean, I think this summer we're going to see them uh, press the gas pedal down a little bit and go to a little into like, all right, we need to kind of go for it now mode. Not like contending, but like we at least need to be a playoff team. But it's going to be really interesting. Yep. And we are back again right at it. It feels like the NBA trade deadline should be like a second all-star break because there's so much to consume and react to. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, no, no. They're playing games tomorrow. <laughs> like, like, it's happening. Uh, so, or, I mean, they're playing games tonight. The Pelicans are playing tomorrow. Um, but thankfully for them, they don't have to deal with too much. So, we'll see how that goes. The Pelicans play the Mavericks on Saturday. So, maybe, just maybe, that's enough time for uh, J.J. Redick, Nicole, and Melanie to be in uniform. Maybe we see them inside Smoothie King Center as Dallas Mavericks on Saturday. You think they're just going to hang out here until the Mavericks show up? JJ's in Brooklyn, so he's got to uh, he's got to make his way down south again. I guess he's got to catch the uh, the flight from from JFK to DFW. Um, yeah, he's got to uh, wrap that foot up in whatever. Uh, you know, you know. I do wonder: are we going to hear about JJ's heel the rest of the season? That miraculously healing heel. I don't think we're going to hear about the miraculously healing heel. And I'm going to be interested to see Lonzo Ball is officially listed as questionable right now. I'm interested to see if he's just back in there on uh, on Friday. At my, crazy, my crazy, guess guys, yes. uh, crazy old guys, you know, suddenly make these miraculous recoveries once the trade deadline ends. Um, but, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.